0: Welcome to Dominion Today with Kevin and Chantel Davis, a podcast where you will learn how to discover your calling, live your purpose, and fulfill your destiny. By listening to these episodes, you'll build the confidence you need to operate in dominion and authority so you can walk in the revelation of the victory that belongs to you in Christ Jesus. Now, here's your host, Kevin Davis. You know, this morning, I'm really excited to share what I have in my heart and in my spirit to share with you. It is the season, not only of breakout, I want you to hear the shift in the one word. It's not just the season of breakout, it's the season to breakout. Did you catch that shift? It's not just the season of, it's the season to. You see, there is a commandment that is coming to you this morning. There is a divine instruction that is coming to you this morning. And what I've been challenging all this week is small-mindedness, narrow-mindedness. Because the amount of small-mindedness and narrow-mindedness that I have to contend with in the kingdom of God is is crazy. There's really no other word to describe it. It's crazy. It should not be. To put a word or to put a a sentence, to write a sentence such as, or which involves the word Christian and then the the wording small-mindedness should not be in the same sentence. A Christian should not be synonymous with small-mindedness or small thinking. A Christian should not be synonymous with narrow-mindedness. You say, what's the difference? Small-mindedness pertains to Limiting God, to limiting the way in which you believe God, for example, is able to bless you. To believe that somehow that which is your portion currently is that which it should be. That somehow that is your destiny. Somehow that was, that is the Lord's desire for you, is where you are currently. And this is why many people would say, I'm not even reaching for the stars anymore. And they would come up with all kinds of spiritual jargon and means of justification. Because, you know, we live for the now. We live in the moment. I live in the moment. Oh, but one day in heaven, we will have this and we will have that. That's small-mindedness. And it comes down to limiting thoughts, limiting beliefs. Narrow-mindedness is also where you try and put God in a box, but narrow-mindedness really deals with where you want to say that this is the the boundary, this is the limit. These are the limitations by which and in which God can and should move. Where you were to look at something or you would not even consider something because you cannot believe that that could be the vehicle that God could use next in order to bring about the greatest blessing and breakthrough in your life i've got some friends in the ministry that the greatest gifts that they've ever received i'm talking about monetary gifts i'm talking about seed that has been sown into their churches into their ministries have come not from people in the church but have come from people who even prescribe to other belief systems Where some people have said, you know what, I've just come to give you this. I do not even know why. I just feel to do this. This is outside of the norm. Normally I'm quite stingy when it comes to my finances. But you know what, I've been losing so much sleep over the last three weeks. It's as though I can't even go to bed. Because every time I go to bed or I tend to fall asleep, it's just your name that I see. It's your face that I see. It's this name of this church and of this ministry that I've been seeing in my city. And I just feel to do this to bring this and to put the seed into your hand. But, oh, there might be those, you know, already you, you, you can just hear the atmosphere shift in the minds of so many Christians because there's something that already rises up on the inside. Well, 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 surely that, you know, that cannot be true. Surely that is not the way that God would do it. In the days of Jesus, when he walked on this earth and was about his earthly ministry, he was not supported by the Pharisees, nor the Sanhedrin, nor the Sadducees. He was not supported. He was not endorsed. And he was certainly not celebrated by, I call it now, the church of the time. Think about those who had come to the ministry of Jesus who had come to the feet of Jesus, those who gave the greatest gifts, those who had some of, the, some of them, the greatest breakthrough, were sinners, were people who had obtained what they had obtained even by unlawful means. But one encounter with Jesus changed it. It didn't just change their heart, Pertaining to their spiritual life, becoming now super overly spiritual, but it had real life consequences. Zacchaeus had an encounter with Jesus and in his presence he said, You know, no no, I've 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 stolen from people. Jesus never pointed out, Oh, you wicked thing, what have you taken from people? No, no, no. Just conversing with Jesus, just being around him, just being in his company convicted him. So much so that he said, you know what, everything that I've taken, I will return and I will give back. I will give it back and more because I have a revelation. And when you consider that Elijah, the prophet of God, when he was in his hour of his greatest need, it were not other prophets who came to his aid. It were not other believers, Jews, who came to his aid. The ravens had to come. The ravens. The Do you know what ravens eat? Have you ever driven on the N1? Have you ever driven on the R62? The R63? And you see that there was something that got hit by a vehicle. How many times have you driven and then you see these birds just begin to take off? You see the ravens take off from the road. What were they busy eating? A roadkill. And so the ravens did not come with plates that were prepared in the palace to Elijah. And also understand that ravens are scavengers. So in other words, they are stingy. I mean, they don't even go and kill themselves. They let the others do the hard work, and they just come for the benefit. They just come for the reward. they scavengers. And also considering the time that Elijah found himself in. I mean, these were unclean animals. By you just touching that animal, you become unclean. But it is an unclean animal that God uses to take meat from who knows where to come to the aid of Elijah. And what dropped into my spirit even this week is that there are Christians, and let me just make it very, very personal here, is that there are Christians that I know God spoke to in this nation and nations around the world to support us, that which we are doing as dominion. Where words of prophecy had gone forth, even prior to us coming here, that finances will come, in different currencies, multiple currencies from around the world to be able to do what we are doing. But it's been withheld. And this is where I've just gotten to this place even this week where I said, Lord, I just want you to know, not for the sake of me having to say this because, Lord, you know my heart, but let me just declare this so that every devil around me might hear this. Lord, I do not look to the hand of man. Lord, I do not even seek your hand. Lord, you know that I'm all about your heart. But then I also shifted my declaration to say, Lord, I want you to know that I will never limit you. That the provision that is required for us to step into this new phase. Because let me tell you, we have done it all. We have acquired this facility. We have acquired what needed to be acquired. We have done what needed to be done. But I am yet to see the response of those that I know God had spoken to. And please, don't, I'm not going to receive another offering, just in case any of you are wondering. I'm not speaking to you this morning. The shoe fits, you have to put it on. But it is so sad that when you consider the fact that God is wanting to bless, God is wanting to provide, God is wanting to do what He wants to do and that which He has set forth to accomplish. But there are those in the body of Christ that I know God had spoken to. I know. And they have not responded by faith in obedience to the voice of God. And this is why I've just made it clear to the Lord and to every devil, I will never limit God. That if God indeed this day, this week, decides to cause the ravens to come, for heathen to seek me out, to Google me or to go and look for me on Facebook because they heard my name among business circles or they heard my name on the lips of worldly people, then Lord, so be it. Because the one thing that I've also challenged this week, and this has been saddening to me, is that in that which we do from a business perspective, when I say the word collab, to people in business, they immediately say, yes, let's do it. Eight out of ten times. If I say to someone in business, let's collab, 80% of the time they would say, yes, let's do it. Even if it is people in the same industry. So you say, well, that makes no sense. In other words, if you have got a, if you Coca-Cola, you can collab with Pepsi to a certain extent. Because there are certain things that you can do together for the betterment of the industry as a whole. Because why? You're not narrow-minded. Now, that might be an extreme example of two major, massive companies. But let's make it smaller. Let's keep it local. You could have two ice cream stores, collabing, Doing something together for the betterment of the community and for the industry as a whole. You could have two pizza places collabing, doing something together for the betterment of the industry as well as that of the community as a whole. But it is so sad, the moment, now I understand we do not use the word collab from a kingdom point of view, because many would associate that as language of the world. But nonetheless, if you were to say, I extend a hand of friendship, which is biblical, if you were to say, I extend a hand of partnership to you, then Christians come with all kinds of excuses if they don't ignore you, which is sad. And the moment you then begin to focus your efforts outside of the perceived boundaries or limits of that which is referred to or regarded as church or sacred, people want to think, you know, you, you, you've lost the plot. Kevin, why are you so much involved in business? Kevin, why are you so visible in the world? Well, why are you so narrow-minded? Because it's not about just preaching in the four walls of this particular space. And we have a Holy Ghost time, and yes, God moves. But as I've been saying and saying and saying, and we'll say again one more time, what is the point if we have a Holy Ghost meeting again here this morning, like we have? But tonight, Ladies are still selling themselves right here on the street corners just a few hundred meters away. People are still shooting up whatever they can find to shoot up just a few meters away. Where some men decide to put their hand to certain women just a few meters away. And so really this is a time where we have to deal with these things and confront these issues because church is not about just having a Holy Ghost meeting and having a feel good time or it's just about a time of just saying, Lord, I've come to you with all my needs. I expect Pastor Kevin this morning to deal with all of my needs so that I can walk out of here today feeling great about myself and preparing me for a fabulous week. In itself, there's nothing wrong with that. But then also, if you have been filled up to that extent, why are you still quiet in the week? Why are you shying away in speaking to friends and family, colleagues about that which the Lord has done for you, about that which is taking place right here? Because let me just say this again that we as Dominion Church, we are not just a place which in essence just becomes this watering hole. Dominion Church is not just a hospital. It is a barracks that has a hospital wing. And I want to ensure that we get you in and out of hospital as quickly as possible so that there can be a time of rehabilitation, A time of recovery so that we can once more put a shield and a sword in your hand and say, let's go out for battle. That's what dominion is all about. This is not a holy huddle. This is not a place where we cry crocodile tears. Hey, there's a time and a place for that, I understand. But also, we cannot get into that place where all we ever do is cry. All we ever do is weep. All we ever do is just wail and travail. There also has to come... This in our lives where we get to the point of breakthrough and victory. That we live our lives leading by example. Where we can say, look what the Lord has done. Not pointing at someone else, a friend or family member. Oh, look what the Lord has done for that one. Look what no, no, you need to be able to say, look what the Lord has done. And then people say, well, I want what you have. And then you say, well, come join me next week, Sunday morning, right here. Come and join me. Be part of something bigger than yourself. And that's what we've been saying. We've not changed our message. Whether the RAND is up, whether the RAND is down. Whether the fuel price is up, whether the fuel price is down. Whether there's a war in this country or a war in that country or a war in multiple countries, we've not changed our message. We've not changed our focus. We've not changed our mandate. And so this is not a place that is just gonna where we're just gonna hold hands and sing kumbaya. And talk about all the wicked things in this world and high oh, shame, it's so bad, it's so sad. No, no, no. We are among those who need to go into every single sphere of society and effect lasting, meaningful change and transformation. So this is who we are and this is what we are. And it's because of that that people misunderstand and even misrepresent us. And that is what we need to also break on the inside of us and even pertaining to our minds and our hearts. Because by you being part of dominion, there is every and any possibility that you yourself might be misunderstood and even misrepresented. And for many, that seems to be too big of a price to pay. And so I want to challenge this as well. Deal with your pride. And I'm not just talking about dealing with it like just managing it. I'm talking about overcoming it when I say deal with it. I'm talking about putting it away. I'm talking about conquering it. Because Jesus said, if you try and hold on to your life, you will lose it. And so this is not a place where you can come where it's about the popularity contest. About who's popular and who's not. It's not a place where we're going to get to where, you know, there's this group and there's that group. There's these people and there's those people. There's this group and then it's not about that. But hey, when you get to the place where you have died to self, when you get to the place and walk in the revelation that my life is not my own, that I have presented myself unto the Lord as a living sacrifice, it is then and then only that the Lord says, I will lift you up. I will elevate you i will accelerate you i will divinely position and also promote you i will divinely endorse you i will cover you i will protect you i will nurture you to ensure that you become all that i have made you and called you to be why because you have come to the end of yourself and where you walk in the revelation that it is Christ in me the hope of glory And you see, that is what we want to and need to and must instill in the hearts of every single one of you so that you in turn can entrust that to others and impart that to others. And so if you're still on the fence of wondering whether or not Dominion Church is for you, well, this morning I'm wanting to say that if you're willing to lay down all then this is the place for you and there's room for you. If you want to preserve self, well then I can recommend many other churches where you can just go and sit, where you will hear a message, feel good about yourself, go and have a lack like, of lunch, walk on the beach tonight and do what you need to do this week and then next week you just do it all over again. But this is not our mandate. This is not our call. And so I'm saying these things in essence just as the introduction, just to lay the foundation of who we are, of what we are, and where we are going to. You know, in this last week as I went to Worcester, it was rather exciting, that first night. Because once more, we saw that there are churches, and then there are churches, Where we as Dominion Church in Worcester, probably became the first church, if not forever, in the last, I do not know how many decades, that had had law enforcement come to the church service. For what? For disturbing the peace. I kid you not. This was not during an all-night prayer meeting. And now it's 2 o'clock in the morning. And it sounds like a Holy Ghost tent revival meeting. This was on a Sunday afternoon at 6 p.m. in a little place called Wooster. And then they tell me that Cape Town have got some demons. Then they tell me that Cape Town have territorial spirits. And I see that the man wat nog die aanklag maak and then is hy nie net onder die beheer van demonic spirits nie, dis sommer ander spirits ook. But what was interesting to me, is then it occurred to me, and I, I was telling everyone, isn't it interesting that that which we've been talking about for weeks and months on end, about territorial spirits, where we've been talking about what it means to occupy until He comes. I've taught these things, and now we saw the natural manifestation of that which I've been talking about that takes place in the realm of the Spirit. I mean, what other church do you know in 2023 where law enforcement rocks up to the service? Tell me what other church that happens to. I mean, during the seed period of time, we had law enforcement. Why? Because we as churches, we as pastors became soft targets. And you know what upset the people was the fact that when I had come out, now they call me out of the revival meeting. And I mean, now I speak with them, and they were expecting this pastor to just come out almost already flinching. Yes, sir, what is wrong? How can I help you? You know, they were expecting someone timid. They were expecting someone weak. And so I greeted the guy and asked him what's his name. I asked him for all of his details, and obviously wrote that down. And then he says to me, no, he's this and this and this, and he's here because... We are disturbing the peace, and we need to quiet it down. I'm like, listen, this is a church. He's like, no, yeah, he knows, but then this and that. Then, 10 seconds or so after that, here comes law enforcement. I mean, now, now they drive with that bucky of theirs. And then spring I, <laughs> And you know what? I actually got quite excited when I saw this happen. It's like, hey. It's like so, my ou oh, western showdown? He weet, he hoor. And I'm like, I'm ready. I'm ready. Ek is reg. Ek stap nou net die, uit die van die uit. I'm just walking out of the presence. I mean, I'm I'm yeah. I'm yeah. I'm yeah. And as I'm having a conversation now with the law enforcement, I asked, and I said, why are you here? No, because we are disturbing the peace. I said, we, we're a church. I'm like, yeah, but they, they got all these complaints. I said, from who? Near Van Dien and Van Dieen I said, okay, well, then, then get them here. Call them. Because this is ridiculous. And then I pointed to the fact that just the previous day, there was a villetrouwer daar. And so, to kaptein spani seile daar spiel, dan stamp allemaal voet. When the music plays and everyone wants to, you know, keep up with the beat, but now, the moment they hear I sing praises to Your name, then the demons begin to. Matu Spanish yeah. sailor. I said. But then the moment it shifted, when the atmosphere shifted and it became a holy atmosphere, when we dispelled the demons, now the demons in them were confronted. And that was the response. So I said to them, listen, this is not a matter of disturbing the peace. I said, this is a matter of you infringing on my constitutional right, where I have the freedom of religion and the freedom of expression. This is a Sunday afternoon, and we are worshiping the Lord. And then he's like, no, this has got nothing to do with your constitutional I said, well, were you here yesterday to, to tell them they were disturbing the peace at 10 o'clock at night? no we were not i said exactly so what's the difference the difference is that is a worldly party and this is church and so i said you're upset about the fact that this is church no don't make this a matter of church don't make this a. and then he said to me you can do you, you can do what you wil your jou so yeah never that spirit of religion is not even trying to disguise itself that that spirit of religion is like yeah, aguerrom, aguerrio, aksinfio, And what was so interesting in that situation, uh, confrontation, really, is that as I was dealing with these things, and all of a sudden, you know, they get. There's one particular guy who's the leader. You know, he gets agitated because he's like someone. Well, Bye bye. I didn't shake his hand. I just looked at him. Like, looked at him like, listen, really, are you going to be this childish? I mean, here's this big man in front of me, but he's so childish. He's like, yeah, no, because, because uh, he came here in peace, hoping to peacefully and properly resolve this issue, but clearly. And then as I dealt with the, the laws and I asked them, so according to your bylaws, because they kept on with bylaw, bylaw, bylaw. I said, are, are we in violation of any one of your bylaws? No. So why are you here? So then goodbye, see you, thank you very much, bye-bye. No, but because there's these complaints. And they want to find a, a resolve to it. And the moment I start just asking, okay, so how, how loud is now too loud? No, because I want to understand. Because if you tell me that it needs to be at a certain decibel level, then I've got something to measure it by. Because the problem is, is that if you just say it's too loud now, then it becomes subjective. So that means I could turn it down by even 20%, even 50%. And an hour later, you can still again report me and say it's still too loud. But you see, it's because you understand your rights. And because you will not be moved and you will not be shaken, even from a spiritual perspective. And that really got to them. And I said to them, it's interesting that once more, you know, here you are coming to a church, having this conversation with a pastor, when drug dealers are running around all over. Exactly, and those were my exact words. I said, once more, it appears as though we are the soft targets. But they got anything but a soft little pastor. I wasn't rude. I wasn't disrespectful. I mean, afterward, I thanked the individuals in law enforcement for their service, said we're praying for them. And what was interesting as well is the remarks of those in law enforcement saying that they wouldn't even come into the building because of the respect and the reverence that they have for God, because they were raised well. And then I realized, you know what? Isn't it interesting that there are so many churches, and this is not about our church being better than, uh, please, as did all this were. But if you can hear the fact that that which we've been talking about, that which we've been saying, and now seeing and experiencing the physical manifestation of all of that, what other church do you know of, that over the last year, past, see, that law enforcement has rocked up, because you are disturbing the peace. But this happens on the first night of revival, where we as Dominion Church gather together. That tells me something. That tells me something that the devil is afraid of us. That tells me the moment the devil sees anyone that's a part of Dominion, whether you are a friend, partner, or member of Dominion, the moment the devil looks at you, the devil actually shrieks and shudders because of fear. You see, I've long, I've long passed this understanding of, oh, I'm so fearful of the devil. No, no, because I understand who I'm a carrier of. That greater is he that is in me than the one who's in this world. Therefore, the devil, or well, I'm not afraid of the devil, the devil is afraid of me. Because of that revelation. Because of the fact that wherever I go, because I am in Christ as Christ is in me, they hear the sound of the roaring of the lion of the tribe of Judah. I can speak with my voice that I have. Many people have got nicer voices, deeper voices. But I'm backed up with the voice of Jesus, which in the realm of the Spirit sounds like the roaring of the lion of the tribe of Judah as he is. And that is the difference between you just relying on your own strength. Because in my own strength, in speaking the way that I spoke to them, that would possibly just be arrogance. Because it's you trying to be something where you know, if it truly was going to come down to it being tested, you're going to fail. But because you have a revelation and an understanding, but also greater, you walk in that revelation. That even when the time of testing were to come, to test the substance of that which is inside, when they were to squeeze you, that which you told them you carry, indeed comes out in that moment. And that's the difference. And so this is why everything in me, because there's things that we, Chantal and I, as leaders, have to contend with that you, by the grace of God, never have to contend with. When you are the one who is spearheading something, when you are the one at the front, you are getting all of the resistance from the front. This is the reason why when you look at certain birds, they fly in formation. And after some time, you find that the one who was in front falls back and there's another one that takes the front. Why? Because flying in formation in the way they do has everything to do with wind resistance. And by working together, they are actually able to fly further, faster, had all of them flown alone. And so because we are flying in formation, and because we do not have the luxury of just saying, you know, Moira, come and take my place. Or Hilton, come and take my place. Or Derek, Vivian, come and take my place. Any one of you, I can mention every one of your names. But it's we, we are the ones in the front. We are getting the resistance from the front. We are getting the things that are coming at us from the front. I'm not saying any of this to extract any sense of sympathy. I am saying this because I can speak of it. Because I know what I'm contending with. I know what I'm contending for. We know what it is that we are contending with and contending for. And with everything that is taking place and everything that has happened. And we can look at the fact that, hey, the devil doesn't want you here. We can look at the fact that there's been so much and so many things that have come against us. And as much as that would have been uh, enough to cause many people to pack up and leave, pack up and go, to quit, throw in the towel, call it whatever you'd like. That spurs me on. This actually speaks volumes to my heart and to my spirit that if the devil is so afraid of us being here, If the devil is so afraid of what we've already birthed, can you just imagine what we are on the brink of seeing and experiencing? And so we are poised. We have done everything that we could do in the natural. I've said this to many people before, the analogy, very famous analogy, of two farmers who are praying for rain. Two adjacent farmers, I should say, praying for rain. But only one of them went out to prepare the soil to receive the rain. And now the question was, who of the two farmers do you believe truly believed God? Who of the two farmers do you believe truly had faith? And so understanding that analogy and how it applies to us, we have moved to this facility We have made room. We have sowed seed. We are believing God unlike we've ever believed Him before of that which He's needing to do. And as much as there has been resistance, I'm just like, there is a resistance or there's a restraint now. But you know what? As I've shared with you in the past of what a floodgate is all about, pressure builds up against that floodgate. But boy, oh boy, when that floodgate opens, it only just has to open like this, like just a little bit. And it begins to... And that is why when you open that floodgate, you're not going to close it again. And that is the point where we're at. We are at that breaking point. But when we master the breaking point, it leads to a breakout. And so let that be an encouragement to you. Because there are many of you that also, as individuals, as families, you can relate to this because you're at the same kind of place. When I look at you in the realm of the Spirit, I see so many. And, and it's like there is this, like large, yeah, have you ever seen these cartoons where, you know, they stuff as much as they possibly can into, into their, whatever it minute, your closet. Have you ever seen those cartoons? And then, you know, the, you, know the, you see the closet just like bulge like this. Have you ever seen that? So that's sort of the picture that I have as I'm even looking in the realm of the Spirit over so many of your lives. It's like that which needs to release and open, it's like it's bulging already. Because it should have opened up some time ago. But there comes that moment in time where people unfortunately look at that and they think, it should have, it should have broken by now. It should have opened by now. And then, because they did not see it, they walk away. They turn just before the greatest breakthrough of their lives. And that's where you are now. That's where we are right here and right now. And so what do we do in the meantime? We need to be faithful in every way imaginable. To have the things we've never had before, we need to be able to do what we've never done before. It's as simple as that. What does that mean? We need to be able to speak to as many people as possible during the week. We need to invite as many people as we possibly can during the week. We need to bring as many people along as we possibly can for next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. right here. And so I'm believing Next week, Sunday morning, 10 a.m. is going to be the Sunday that we are going to see that which has been bulging over us. That which has been closed for the breaking and the opening and the break out of the greatest blessing that will trigger and usher in the season of breakthrough and breakout. Over us as a church, a ministry, and every single one of you as individuals, families, businesses represented here. That's what I'm seeing. That's what I'm contending for. And so this morning I want to ask you, who's with me? I want to ask you, who's with me? And so I want you to make this decision this morning to say that this week you're going to spread the word. I mean, we've got access to social media We've got access to WhatsApp every week. I mean, we put out the artwork, share the artwork, tell people, tell them to come and join you, tell them to be a part of what we're doing, because there's things that the Lord has shared with me, but I've not been able to release it as yet, because that is reserved for when we break through. You say, well, that sounds unfortunate, that almost sounds like we are being punished right now for where we're at. No, 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 there are certain things that you even not even ready to hear certain things that you are not ready for because we have not collectively obtained that level. It's like me speaking to grade fours and then teaching them grade 12 algebra. They're not there. And so we're just, in essence, going to waste everyone's time. You're not ready for what is needing to take place. We as a team, as yet, we're not really ready for what needs to take place and for what's coming. But in saying that, we can respond to that and say, well, it's never going to happen. No, 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 it will. If all of us together this day and this week say, I'm all in and I'm going to go all out with the Lord. And so you say, well, I haven't really shared anything from the Word. Here it is for you. Here it is. The one thing I've been reminded of this week as well, is the fact that losers say these words. They say, I should have, I could have, I would have, but I didn't. So you say, Well, I'm not a loser. That's not my kind of language. Well, then your language should be along the lines of, I can, I will, I must. Yeah, some of you know it. Famous words I can, I will. I must. Now I want you to see the progression because these are not just words because we can say I can. And this is what the Lord showed me again this week is so many Christians are stuck with I can. You've heard Philippians 4 verse 13 that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But Christians get stuck there because the problem is is that if you're stuck with just I can do all things. Well, let me just say, there are many Christians that are not even there. I'm so weak. I'm so small. I'm so insignificant. I don't have much. God help me. That's that one part, one group of people. But then there are many Christians who are stuck at, I can. They might not even believe that I can do all things, but they're just stuck at, I can The sad reality is, is that by you just believing you can, it doesn't mean or imply that you've already gone to do something about it. Because what worth is there in saying, I can do all things. But you never apply that revelation to anything that you do. Because maybe you don't even do anything. And so it's not about just saying, decreeing and declaring, I can do all things. And you can say it with any kind of frequency in your voice pitch tone whatever else to make it sound even more powerful and significant if you're not going to put your hand to the plow if you're not going to do something about it the fact that you can do all things you're not going to see anything manifest because i can needs to become i will Because that is the part where many Christians fall to the wayside. They might believe that I can, but they have not made the decision of I will. Because it always seems as though there's something else that is more important. Someone else that's more important. Something else, now from a Christian perspective, that's more anointed. Something else that's more talented, more gifted, more this, more that, whatever the case may be. And we get sidetracked. But we have to get to the place where we are no longer just on I can, but we progress even further to I will. You have to make the decision of I will. Applying for that job, you need to get to the place of not just knowing anymore that yes, I can do that job, but I will apply to the job. Will you get to the place of yes you know you can make a very good pitch. Will you present your business, will you present your proposal? Yes you can. I know I can. But you need to get to the place of you saying, I will present my plan. I will present my proposal. I will be in that boardroom. I will be among this group of people. I will be in those towers. I will be in this city. I will be in that nation. Can you see the difference? You might know I can. Yes, you can. But will you? You might say, I know I can tell all my friends and family about Dominion Church, but will you? That's the big difference. But you see, it has to go even one step further than I will. It has to become a must. It has to become a must-do. Because this is also... What separates the pretenders from those who are real, raw, authentic when it comes to really any part of life? What separates those who just have New Year's resolutions and those who actually accomplish much? Because there are many people where you know, you know, you maybe should not be smoking. You maybe should not be drinking the way that you are. You maybe should not be, you know. Many people know that those things you should not do. But unless it becomes the place also, now now that's from a negative context, the positive also is, is you, you know you should do your job. You know you should send out as many proposals as possible. You know you should do that. You should do that. But unless it becomes a must do, what's the point? And then in John chapter 9, I hear the urgency in Jesus' voice as he says this in John chapter 9, verse 4 in the Amplified Classic. He says this He says that we must work. The second word there, we must. Not we can, not even we will, but we must. We must work the works of Him who sent me, and be busy with his business while it is daylight. Night is coming on when no man can work. These are the words of Jesus. He did not just say, well, I can. He did not say, I will, or in this context, we will, but we must. And so this is what I want every single one of us to hear this morning. It's not just about me, Pastor Kevin. I must. Jesus could have said it from the perspective just of I must work the works of him who sent me. No, no, no. It's worded, we. Even in Greek, it's we. Even when you look at the word that says me, that can be translated as the word we. So in other words, it could read that we must work the works of him who, or sorry, us. We must work the works of Him who sent us. Because we have we in the beginning, and thereby it should be us in the middle. But even if we were to just read it as it is, and as it has been translated into our English Bibles, we must work the works of Him who sent me. So Jesus was not saying, listen, it's all about me. Jesus was not saying, yes, I'm the one anointed and appointed. I'm the Christ. I am the anointed one of God. Therefore, stand back. Watch me do all. No, no, no. He said, we must. We must. Not we can. Not we should. Not we will. But we must. You see, must speaks of of, of it being an absolute necessity. When you look at that word in the Greek, it speaks of necessity. It is necessary. It is necessary. And so that is the place where we've gotten to. We are past the can. We are past the will. We are now at the must. And it is at this point where many will fall to the wayside if they're not careful. Because what this implies is that going from will to must, you have to deny self. You have to be willing to lay down your life. You have to be willing to say, I've died with Christ. But now I'm stepping into the new life that Christ has come to give me. I must die to self. I must tell the world that Jesus Christ is Lord. I must tell my friends and my family that there is hope. I must tell those in my community I must tell those that I work with, my colleagues, that there is a church in Somerset West and even in Worcester that is unashamed of the gospel. I must say that there is a place where people can come to receive healing. I must tell people that there is a place where they can come to find their identity, their purpose, and their destiny. I must tell people that we are a community of believers, a family that have a never-say-die attitude. That no matter the overwhelming odds stacked against us, there is never wailing, travailing, Oh Lord, Maranata, come now, take us. There is the revelation of an overcoming spirit. Greater is he that's in me than the one who's in this world. It doesn't mean that our eyes and ears are not open to those who are hurting. Who are downcast, downtrodden, trampled upon, kicked, and spat on. We see that. We recognize that. And this is also a place where you can come to receive the love of God. Acceptance. We've said this before that, you know what? We will never ever say to people coming here that you cannot enter because of this or because of that. Because you are this kind of person. Because you are that kind of person. Because you look this way or you sound this way or even you smell this way. Everyone and anyone is welcome. Does that mean that you are not going to be challenged? No. You are going to be challenged. According to what standard? The word of God. Does that mean you're going to Bible bash us? We'll find out. You see, Paul said we need to speak the truth in love. And that's what we do. Thank you for listening all the way to the end. If you'd like to help Kevin and Chantel reach and impact this generation, thank you in advance for sharing this episode with your world. If you have enjoyed Dominion today, follow Kevin and Chantel on Instagram, Facebook, and your favorite podcast platform. Or connect with them online at dominion.org.za.